what do you get when you get a new low for the recent down move, a rally, and a higher close? You get some bulls out there, kind of ran up. Got a couple in the background, going to bring them on in a second. Two guests today, Matt Tuttle, you know him, creator of ETFs. Rocky Horner is going to set us straight at 8.35. Talk some earnings here, some good earnings, some bad earnings. This is your show to end the week in the markets, pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. Let's get things started. S&Ps are up 11 handles, 39.9575. The buck backing off here, back in the 104 handle, down uh, 24 and a half cents at 104.75. Bonds up almost a stick, 123 and 28.32. Crude just can't get up to that $80 level, down 31 cents at 77.85. Gold finally making a move. Big area here at 1855, up 1170 at 1852.20. Silver up 28 cents, back at the 21 handle at 2118. And Bitcoin taking a little bit of a hit, down 1185. That's 22,405. Let's bring in Triple D and uh, Triple D. Let's talk about the after hour. Well, let's talk about the action from yesterday, a little bit of the after hours action and uh, why you're getting, the, you know, uh, the chopped bull, the bullish chop is what I'm going to say to you. Yeah, I think so. We were oversold. And again, I'm predicting, and I'm going to continue to predict this for the foreseeable future that we are going to go sideways. We just sold off 7% in February. We were getting down where we were oversold again. I think your range is 390 to 410. I think that's going to be the range for the foreseeable future. So you start getting lower 390s, you're starting to look at what to buy. Start getting up in the upper you know, 407, 408, you're looking what to sell. But trading the chop in between two, you get a 30, through, you know, 40 handle up day, maybe you're using it to take some profits. You get a you know, 30, 40 handle down day, maybe you're losing using it to buy. Just playing the chop because I think the people who are directional they are predicting a big bull market here this year or a big bear market this year are going to be wrong. I think we're going to be sideways. And so far, so good. Well, at least from the price action that I saw yesterday, it, to me, it was more about that Max Payne type of trade, Dennis. It seemed to me like really quickly everyone started getting really bearish again. Um, especially with the price action that we had in the, in the kind of the pre-market action as we broke through the range. We recovered that range and we're pretty much broke back to the upside through even the hourly uh, kind of trend line that you could draw. At this point, I think at the end of the day, we're still holding up. We still have the golden cross. I think we can run right back there towards the 410s and start pushing back in the short term until CPI. That would keep us in the range. So I'm with you. I think it could go either direction here. I just think we stay in the range. We're going to chop around until we get a major catalyst to take us out. And that would be, I think it's going to be geopolitical. I think it'll be mm -hmm. an issue with China or potentially, you know, something else. I think that might be the major issue. Or we get to the next earnings season, a month from now. So right now, let's just put it in perspective. We just had like 150 companies report yesterday. We are basically through like 90% of earnings season here now. You're going to get next week, you're getting a few stocks, CrowdStrikes reports, DocuSign. I'm just looking at the list. But there, we are talking about 100 companies reporting all week. So a lot less companies reporting next week. As you come out of earnings season for this next month, it's going to be quiet from the earnings front. I think next quarter, it's going to be a tough earnings season. I do think you're starting to see a slowdown in the consumer. Uh, but, you know, also CPI, you know, was ticking a little bit higher. There's a lot of things to worry about, but I don't think any of that materializes in the next few weeks either, which may give us that relief rally. Um, and again, your, to your max pain point, I mean, the market's all about max pain. It always has been. It's punishing the maximum amount of participants. And the maximum amount of, of participants being punished here, because everybody is super bullish or super bearish, 
I think you still punish the maximum by just going sideways and chopping the hell out of them. I think today's a big day for the market, you know, because we've had this chop, right? We really, it, the, the, if you look at the, the dailies on the S&P or the SPY, it's kind of like up two days, down two days, flat, up a day, down a day. You had a strong day yesterday. You talk about the two-day move. We're in the upper range for the week, right? We're we're hugging, you know, the uh, you know, my weekly swing number. So I think it's a important day for the bulls. You know, it's always establishing that higher support, right? You make a new low for the move. That's way down there at 39 and a quarter. So uh, you know, the other thing too is in this market is so fickle, right? Don't you have an ISM number coming out at uh at 10 o'clock today and the market may be up and everything, and then a super hot ISM number, and oh my god, we're going to six percent, and then they'll flush everyone down the toilet. So I think to I think today's an important day to establish that bid for the SP to get over four thousand, make a new high for the week. And then to build a little base at 4,000. So, uh, you know, still uh, neutral, you know, short-term neutral here, trying to go a little bit bullish. Still think the high for the year is in, though. What about when the Dow hit 10,000? And there was a stat. Do you remember how many yeah. crossed down over 10,000 and up over 10,000? Somebody said, I think the stat was like 68 times that it just crossed back over it. Like it got up. Three or four percent. I think they use three percent as the threshold. I got up and down and 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 up and down over the course of a decade, crossed over it like 68 times. So you go back down, you can see where I'm talking about there. So look, 03, and we hit it for the first time. If you go back further, we hit 10,000 first time in 1998. So you're not going to see on this chart because it's only a 20 year chart. You're not going to see all those other crosses that we had from, you know, when we got over it in like 1998 or 1999. It was right around there when I first started trading because I can remember the bells and whistles. I think it was 98. And then it got up and then it came back down. Then it went for a ridiculous run in 2000. I was like, oh, 10,000 in the dust. And then we came back down, up and down, up and down, and up and down, and up and down. I mean, we really had a period of 10 years where we really went nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. Nowhere. Why can't we do that again? Not saying 10 years. <laughs> Just... Look at the next 10 years. That's why, Dennis. What's the next 10 years going to look like, Mitch? Because I don't from have a 09, Please tell me what From 09 to 20 is just straight up, man. It's like straight up. What? So what are you saying? Like, uh, I'm saying, well, you compared that that time period where it was sideways, right? Yeah. And that's kind of this block. I'm on the DIA, not exactly the same, right? But sure. That's but good, You can though. see that's, that's that we block. Using. That's the yeah. block that Dennis is talking about. Why can't and we then, create one of those again? Because this is a tendency of our markets now man no it, that's a tendency of a bull market though so when you go through periods so if you go back yeah. to like 1950s when we got to the dow 1000 in 1968 we stayed in 12 years until we hit 1000 again through that period from 1968 to 1980 you have these periods where the market just does a hell of a lot of nothing i think you know it's just going to take time because valuation is still not still very high. cheap yep so a lot of times you just need digestion periods where you've had huge runs. We've had a huge 10-year bull run, to your point here, Mitch. And I think it's time to digest. I think it's time to take that back in. I think we could have a prolonged period where contrarian trading wins. Momentum trading has been winning for a decade. Maybe it's, and, and again, if we go back to 2002 to 2010, contrarian trading won then. Maybe we're just entering another period where contrarian trading could win and i mean that's all we are we're in the prediction business on this show let's be honest i'm a contrarian at heart um and obviously you know i try to follow trends and you have to adjust for your trading strategy but in the last year contrarians have been winning what's to say it has to stop right now we have to go back to new all-time highs and we have to continue higher i'm just saying there's a possibility that maybe that doesn't happen maybe we just go sideways I think Mitch is taking the opposite, you know, side of the coin here and saying because we had this ridiculous run here, he thinks that you know there's going to be more of a down market, you know, with with the factors we have going on. But yeah, uh, not, well, no, well, let's, let's mention ask answer that maybe, question. What maybe do you think? I, I I would just do it as just pullbacks, right? It does it, it make sense for pullbacks to happen? We already went, went back to 23.6. I'd go off the fibs. You can get retracements off this, but I think the trend continues in the long run to the upside. 
So you're bullish in the long term. So you're long term bullish then. He's long term bullish. I mean, if you got a 30 year time horizon, you should. We're talking 10 years now, right? We we just talk about a decade. So, yeah, in 10 years, yeah, I would still be bullish. The market has never told me not to be bullish after those kind of 10 years. But then again, what the chat said in the comment that Bill made is not too bad, right? When have I been trading? I've been trading since what, 2018, right? And so you guys have a lot more experience dealing with a little bit more of that bear market than I do. But you can, you know, look at charts and you can see the periods that I'm talking mm-hmm. about and just saying there's a possibility. Of Markets action. don't always go up. And you'll hear people that say, oh, if you hold for more than 24 months, you always make money. And those people are absolutely mistaken because there has been multiple periods. Again, we had a period from 1968 to 1980 where the markets did nothing. We had a period from basically 1999 till 2012 before we started getting back to all-time highs, a good 13-year period where it did nothing. Do you know why it did nothing? Well, because we the Fed turned policy in those years. We had ridiculous valuations in 1999, and the market had to catch up to it. It's like Microsoft. you know, It was trading at 60 times Remember earnings and had to turn around, and it ended up trading at the low after the financial crisis, ended up trading down to about 11 or 12 times earnings. So, And then it had the explosion up because then the, the stock, the fundamentals could catch up with the price. So it took a good 12, 14, 15 year period for Microsoft to actually catch up with the price. We know Cisco never did. CSCO never came back to where it was 23 years ago. Intel never came back to where it was 23 years ago. But, you know, certain stocks, obviously, you know, stuff changes. The good companies did find a way. But I just think everybody's got the expectations that if they buy today, well, even if the market goes down, I know I'm getting my money back in 18 to 24 months. And that's not always the case. And on individual stocks, it's absolutely not the case. On the indices, if you want to just be an index trader, that could be the case. But I think we could go into a prolonged period where valuation needs to catch up to price. And I think we could go into a prolonged period where we may not have huge gains in the market. So if you're a trader, and again, if you're a long-term investor, maybe you don't care about that. You're just holding 30-year time horizon, you're buying stocks. But if you're a trader, you absolutely have to care about that because this is how you pay your bills. So you've got to be, you know, trying to predict the environment. And I'm trying to predict it early. And I'm saying we're going into a contrarian tape. We've been in it for one year. I think it continues. And we could, uh, it'll be interesting when they write the history books about this market period, the period, you know, the COVID period, 20, uh, the moves in 20, the moves in 21, then the moves in 22. I mean, those are, I think those are going to go down just like historical, you know, volatility. And after you have, you know, super high periods of volatility, it's followed by, you know, consolidation. And it's just about, you know, adjusting your, not only your portfolio, but your, you know, your short-term trading and your short-term thinking. But from what, you know, I've seen it, I mean, the volatility, I know we still have a lot of these crazy rips and everything, but uh, the Spoos hasn't even had right around a hundred handle uh, range this week, which is really uh very unusual and things are just calming down and when things calm down there's just different patterns of trading and that i think that's what uh dennis you're making a great point on that the markets are more to do chop and go nowhere than they are to see the the moves that we've had in and after periods of heightened volatility we often do have a long consolidation or periods where the vix comes down a lot i mean we've hit the vix under 10 if you go back and it's been a long time since we've been there, but I think we could go into a prolonged period where stocks do a hell of a lot of nothing. So, um, so yeah, so, but we're going to move on here. We've got Matthew Tuttle coming on here. I'm very excited. Uh, He's got new products to talk about. So let's get them. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get to Matthew Tuttle here. He's in the back. Let's go ahead. Our first guest of the day. We got two guests today. Smash the like team. Matthew Tuttle, Chief Executive Officer and Chief Investment Officer at Tuttle Capital Management. Welcome back on, Matthew. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always great to go ahead and get into your strategies. Of course, I've been keeping up with you since the SPAC days, but it looks like we're into something different now. Looks like we have some new options here. And I got to say, I think Dennis and Joel and I were definitely impressed by the ticker choices so oh, let's talk a little tickets. bit about that S gym and L gym, the way that I look at it, short gym, long gym, but how did you tell us a little bit about it, Matthew? 
Yeah. And, you know, th this is something that's been years in the making. You know, I've been trading since the 80s and, you know, have noticed that, you know, the consensus seems to be wrong a lot. And, you know, but how do you monetize something like that? So the cool thing about, you know, someone like Jim Cramer is he really is the consensus. And, you know, he's a guy that swings at every pitch. And, you know, and, and that's not a criticism. I mean, he's in a position where he has to. And so, you know, to me, this is a great product for, you know, people who are, who are looking for some sort of diversification, you know, in their portfolios, which, you know, they ought to be these days. So we've got the long gym LJIM fund and the short gym SJIM fund. Tell us about, and obviously, you know, it's tricky to just track a person here. You can, you've done it with Kathy Wood very well, but she's got her holdings out there public. So it's a little bit easier to do. How do you do Jim Cramer? So unfortunately, um, you know, we've got to watch Mad Money every night. <laughs> and you got to ask me because I watch that thing every day. Really? <laughs> what was he bullish and what was he bearish on? <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I mean, I feel bad for you. But yeah, we got to watch Mad Money every day and we got to watch him. I mean, he's on like 845 to 10, um, you know, in the morning on CNBC. We got to watch him and, you know, we got to see what he says. And if he is, you know, definitively bullish or bearish about a stock or a sector, then, you know, we're taking action. If he's not definitive on something, then you know, chances are we let that thing pass. What about his fun that he, you know, sends the newsletter out, you know, do you look at that and figure out, you know, while well, he's bullish on this, are you looking at his positions from, you know, what he's doing in his actual fund? No. So, you know, we're, we're not looking at the investment club at all. I'm not a member. Um, okay. and, and, and I do that, um, you know, deliberately, you know, to okay. me, that's, you know, that's something he probably has other people working on. It's a longer term type of thing. What I'm more concerned about is, you know, what's coming out of his mouth today, Ooh, nice. tomorrow. And, you know, and what are people calling in asking about? Because I, I, you know, I want to get the more timely things. I'm not looking for, you know, hey, what does he think is going to be good over the next 10 years? That, that's not interesting to me for this. Have you... Uh, has does Jim Cramer know about this, or do you know if he knows about this? Has he mentioned? Oh, it? He, like, yeah, yeah, no, he, he knows about it. I mean, he knows. <laughs> he knows. Yeah, he made some comments and some tweets, and I know on some of the articles that came out, they reached out to CNBC for comment. Um, interestingly, he's away for it looks like a week. I don't know whether that's a coincidence or. We're not. He, <laughs> he got scared. He, he got scared. Planned his vacation. Let's talk about it. That's a planned vacation. Yeah, I, I got a question know, for I you. Know. I got a question for you. So we we know that uh, you know he, he moves stocks right with his recommendations, with his picks and his pans and everything. So what like what do you do? Do you take the mark? from that day do you take the opening price from the next day i mean for me you know from my perspective you know the closing prints on that day that's why i have a show the closing print is the most important thing what do you what how are you doing that how are you tracking are you using the closing print from the day that he mentions it are you using the opening print from the following day how are you doing that so we want to get in as soon as possible and you know along those lines like the other day uh, you know, before we came out, it was a couple of weeks ago, he sent out a tweet saying, hey, time to buy oil stocks. And within a couple of minutes, oil stocks went down for like an hour. Could have been a coincidence. I don't know. Um, but could have been something going on. So we want to get in at the next opportune moment. So if he mentioned stuff on Mad Money last night, we're getting in at the open. If he mentions something on CNBC at 9.45, then, then we're getting in at 9.45. If he sends a tweet at 1 o'clock, you know, we're getting in somewhere close to 1 o'clock. You know, we don't want to mess with it. Once he's out on something, I want to be in that or opposite that as soon as I can. 
So how many people do you have tracking this to do this? So me, me and two other guys, um, they probably hate me right now, but you know, it it is what it is. I mean, when you sign up to work for me, you know, you're going to do some interesting stuff. So when you, you, so basically when you get an idea, you put it at the long, if he's bullish it, it goes into the long gym fund. And if he's bearish it, it goes into the short gym fund. So both of those obviously ETFs are going to move exactly opposite, correct? Not, not exactly opposite. Okay. So okay. the biggest difference is on S gym, if he doesn't like something, we're going long. On okay. old gym, if he doesn't like something, we're not shorting it. You know, when I originally came up with the idea, I was thinking of, yeah, hey, if Jim doesn't like something, we're going short. And then I realized, I mean, you know, I'm a trader. You guys are traders. I got a ton of stocks I don't like that I would never short. So right. I, I, I changed my mind on that. So they will not be the exact opposite of each other. Do you have like a threshold for volume? Because sometimes somebody will call on a mad money and they'll call on some small cap stock that's really yeah, that's low. Would you like too. avoid those just because of liquidity issues? I, mean, or... I, I won't avoid them, but you know, the idea is I want equal weighting unless yeah. there's you know something that's gonna be more volatile. Like, you know, the meme stocks, for example, you know, when he's out on those, I probably won't have those at the same weight as like a NVIDIA um, or, you know, a Tesla or something like that. What about crypto? So crypto, you know, so right now, for example, in uh, in SGM, we own Bitto because that's that's the easiest way for me to gain exposure to crypto. Which, uh, um, I'm sorry, what symbol? A bit out. So that's the, uh, that's the long the Bitcoin oh, okay. ETF. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not going to like, I mean, it's an ETF. I, you know, the, the SEC is not going to allow me to, to go out there and, and buy crypto. So, you know, if he says stuff about, you know, some, you know, obscure coins, then, you know, we'll, we'll have to walk away from that and nothing I can do there. Matthew, is there a place where we can actually see the holdings? So the fund's website is KramerETFs.com. Yep. And we're going to send out a daily, uh, basically, newsletter like ARC does on their trades for our trades that day. So okay. the holdings will typically be updated before the market opens. And my goal will be to send out our trades for the day, you know, either after market close or, you know, first thing when I wake up in the morning. This is, I love the site. I just went there right now, KramerETFs.com, and you got New York going up, and then you got the inverse. I, I, I wanted his picture, but I'm not sure whether you that don't want to put his picture upside down. Do. <laughs> Are you done any back testing on this at all, or is it just to, it's just, you know, relevant? Just you need the information as it comes out. It's all new information. So you need. No back testing available. So yeah, I mean back testing is tough because you know there are a lot of times you know is he really positive? Like you know David Faber will be like, hey Jim, what do you think about Alphabet earnings? Oh, they had a great quarter. Is that a buy or is that just they had a great quarter? But I wouldn't, you know, who knows? And then when do you sell something? I mean there have been guys who have done some back tests. Basically though, I mean you know. To me, again, Jim's like the consensus, and we know that the consensus tends to be wrong. And just, so, you know, I that, I mean, that's what I love about this. You know, you know, on the S Jim side, as the market is going up, S Jim's going to get more and more net short. As the market's going down, we're going to get more and more net long. Yeah, and I think that's something you you ought to have in your portfolio because it's going to be different than everything else you're doing. This seems a little bit labor intensive. You've got a pretty low. E I was looking at your expense ratio; it's only one point two percent. A little bit of labor intensive here than some of your normal funds, maybe Matthew. Um, is it going to be justified? You got those kids working hard for uh, that one point two percent. Yeah, I mean, and, and it really isn't one point two percent. We we've got to put in acquired fund fees in there, which right. Are ratios right. of of ETFs we may or may not own, and right now the only one we own is Bitto. So, but you know, from a prospectus standpoint, you got to do that. So it's under one percent for us. Um, you know, 
sometimes the best things out there require the most work. And to me, somebody had to do it. And if that somebody has to be me, it has to be me. All right. Last thing I'll, I'll leave off with, of course, I can't leave you without mentioning, of course, Kathy and Sark. Uh, it's been a great ride. It's pulled back here. And uh, what do you think about the recent action from Kathy's ARK Invest? Yeah. So, and, and I'm in Dennis's camp from the standpoint of, I don't think we go anywhere in the market until either the Fed blinks or the market blinks. Um, so, you know, I would be using SARC tactically here. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I always laugh when I see the articles like, oh, you know, ARK is back. No, they didn't. They didn't all of a sudden get risk management, trading, research, all that stuff right. You know, rising tide lifts all boats. At some point, that stuff gets ridiculously oversold. And so when you start seeing those headlines, I load up the boat on Sark. Um, you know, when when Sark, and again, I, I think we're in the trading range. So when it gets too high, I, I sell it and you know, maybe I buy ARC and, you know, and just keep playing that game. I mean, if they're going to ping pong us back and forth between the highs and the lows, you know, take the free money. Well, I thank you for joining more note. I watched Kathy interview, I think about a year and a half ago, and she was talking about your fund. They asked her the question about <laughs> betting against, and she was so upset that your fund exists. She was flustered. Um, it was like, it was an interview that very much surprised me that she was so flustered by your product. She's like, I can't believe that somebody would just be so against innovation. And she didn't even talk. You have the long fund too. Like she didn't mention, you know, the long fund and maybe she doesn't know it exists, but you know, it's a viewpoint <laughs> in both ways, but she was so flustered. I mean, I feel like Jim Cramer would take this in stride, but has Kathy ever reached out to you on any of these funds? Like to say, what the hell are you doing? She hasn't, um, and I don't think she will. I was at an ETF conference and just happened to be at a dinner, and the guy sitting across from me was like her chief operating officer or something. And it seemed, and I may be wrong, but it seemed like he went, you know, normally when you're sitting at a table next to guys, everyone introduces themselves. It seemed like he had no interest at all in introducing himself to me or talking to me in any way, shape, or form. Again, maybe I'm projecting, but uh, so no, <laughs> she's not. I've never <laughs> talked. I, I mean, I would love to, but you know, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Hey, we're gonna have to set it up. Maybe, maybe we have a little powwow. All right, like <laughs> always. Matthew and Matthew on the yeah, talk about. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'll short that concept there. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> hey, you can't blame me. For she, time, she's but... never coming on this show. I've said too much bad about her over the years. So don't worry, Matthew. We're never getting Kathy on this show. <laughs> you have a great one, Matthew. We'll definitely keep up with everything. Of course, Tuttle Capital does. You guys can check out all their ETFs. It's not just these two, right? That we mentioned today, or these three that we've mentioned. There's plenty more to take a look at. Even I'm still looking at those SPACs out there. And uh, we've been seeing some they'll recent action. Back. They'll, they'll, they'll be, be back. back. That's my man. That's my man, Matthew. You guys hear it. SPACs will be back at some point. We'll see. We'll see if we get there. Have a good one, Matthew. We'll bring you back on. Take All care. right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matthew. All right, let's get back to the stock market. I, I'm just looking. I just got, I just brought up the SJIM uh, holdings there because you can just get them off the website there. It's so interesting too because like I'm looking at it and like he's got a pretty good, you know, like he's short Nvidia because you know Kramer's dog is named Nvidia. Nvidia, so you know he's short Lily because Kramer has been pumping Lily for a long period of time here. Short Meta, which is another one. Bolero, which he talks about all the time. Bolero, man. He's got it pretty good. That's been the good. best I mean, stock. What's the that? best SPAC out there, man. Bolero. He's shorted in the SJIM fund. He'll be long it in that probably in the gym fund, but in, in the LGIM fund. But if you're just looking here at the holdings there, like AMD is another one. Like if you watch Mad Money for a couple of weeks, it's basically he keeps going over the same stocks. He likes these yeah. same companies, and then he doesn't like certain companies and definitely hates Bitcoin. So obviously this fund has to own Bitcoin, um, you know, and there's other ones in here too that he doesn't like. So it's very interesting. I think he's got it not bad. It's very interesting. All right. I'm going to take us through some stocks here. Let's roll through some of these. We got a lot to talk about. And of course, 
we got our guest waiting. I saw a lot of chat comments earlier for her. I'm excited to get to it. Roggy Horner going to be joining us just soon in about five minutes or so. Let's get to Costco really quickly. Q2 EPS, $3.30. Beat the $3.21 estimate. Sales at $54.24 billion. Missed the $55.54 billion estimate. Q2 uh 23 membership fees at 1.02 uh 27 billion dollars a costco executive did though say that we've seen some weakness in what i'll call big ticket discretionary items and this came from reuters i mean this is a loved stock by jim kramer coincidentally as well but this is a loved stock and it's obviously traded with a higher multiple for a long time valuation is why i've stayed away from this stock for a long time um this company has just run so well and i think if you ever get back down to the 450s i think there's good support down there mm -hmm. but we keep looking here at you know this market that we're in and higher valuation stocks have got to continue to show that they deserve that higher valuation so i don't think there was anything really that bad with these numbers but when the revenue misses I mean, these stocks get hit, and it is a higher valuation stock. Where is the PE on Costco? And, and Joel wants to do a technical on this. Yeah, you look that up. I think it's like twenty-seven or twenty-eight times. Is it, it still that high? That. It's high still, Joel. Yeah. Yeah. It's high. It's a lot higher than Walmart. I'm gonna go look. I it have up thirty-six. Thirty-six. <laughs> wow. That's the problem. I like. I would love this thing. Not even get to a market multiple because it's better than a market company. But get in the low twenties. Give me a shot at Costco. If we ever went into a bear market. Give me a shot at Costco in the low 20s, and I would take that shot. Industry. But, I mean, at 36 times earnings, you're talking about a stock falling 40, 35, 40% to get to that valuation. So it's still just too expensive for me long term. Yeah, not a good looking chart. Uh, you got a little spike, but you're back down. I, I don't know about 440, 450, or 460. I think the area of interest to me, just for today's session, uh, you bounced off the 470 area this morning. Uh, you had a, a low at 470.56, and there's a couple daily lows there. That's four and a half bucks away. So if you're looking for more on the downside, I would look at that. Uh, the, the gap low, I don't think you're going to see that at uh, 462.22. Coming back on the upside here, it thing can go absolutely anywhere, but the bottom of yesterday's range is really not that far away, 475.56. So the Bulls want to make a stand, get this back up on the day. They can get it back above yesterday's low and don't know if we're going to see that closing price of 85.69. Uh, People kind of caught in the rally yesterday, so they're going to be looking to to peel out today. So, 470, 480, maybe uh, potential range for Costco. All right, let's go to a stock that will definitely be on retail's mind today: C3 AI. Oh, wow, Q3 yeah. adjusted yeah. EPS at a loss of six cents, beat the loss of twenty-two cent estimate. Sales at sixty-six point six seven million beat the sixty-four point two five million estimate. They do see Q four revenue to a high end of seventy-two million versus a sixty-nine point eight five million estimate. Also raised their uh, their fiscal year twenty-three outlook. Um, and then you saw Wedbush coming in and making a comment. I thought that was really interesting. They said that the company is walking the walk after a strong Q three. It, it had its run. There's bag holders all over the place. So I'd just be careful chasing this here today because you got bag holders up at 25, 26, 28, 30. There's all kinds of resistance up here. So you came from support um, where you, you found some support in the low 20s. But now you come back up and you're getting in a resistance here. I just don't think this is a blast off stock. I think this is a nice setup here. If you were caught in the stock, you had the high of 3092 you went into the lower 20 handle you're getting back half of the move you also have a daily high right here at 2536 you did trade up a little bit higher you did trade up to 26 so if the bulls really want to take control of this thing man you get this thing 25 and a half bid 26 bid and then look for your next daily high i just would be interesting to see when the liquidity comes in if there's not more sellers at this 25 and a half area so that's the uh that's the uh, that's the swing number for me here in C3AI.inc. There's so many 
major players that are going to be competing with this. So you just, I like, and I, I don't follow the company close enough to know their products or to know what they're working on, but you are going against all the big guns because they're all going to be in AI, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Metas. It's tough. It's a tough, you know, sell. And then this is trading 10 times sales. Um, again, you know, maybe this is going to be the company that figures it out and they're going to be able to find their niche and they're going to be a big player in AI. It's very possible. But it's also very possible that this is just a storied stock that got a really cool ticker symbol and got a lot of buzz, and got the hype, and is a retail darling. Um, I'd stay away. That's just my opinion. All right. Let's take a look here at one of the, I'll call it the disaster stock on the day. Let's go to Zscaler, Q2 EPS, 37 cents, beat 29 cent estimate, sales of 387.6 million, beat the 364.91 million estimate. Needham reiterated a strong buy that I thought was interesting on Zscaler, and they maintained a $210 price target. Uh, when you look at their fiscal year adjusted EPS, it was put towards $1.53 on the high end versus the $1.24 estimate. And the total revenue guidance was also a little bit higher on the high end. So it doesn't look too bad here. They did do a restructuring plan, which includes a 3% workforce reduction. As far as support goes, <laughs> I really can't give you any. So I'll give you the pre-market low comes in at 116.40. You're just into this whole random 110 to 120 area. So 116.40 is kind of in the middle there. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, on the upside, if they if the bulls or if you get some, you know, if you get a rally going, I think if you get over 120, I don't know where the next stopping point is, right? Because yesterday's low was way at 128.92. So maybe 115, 116, 130 uh, trading range if uh, if the bulls try and uh, get this over 120. One thing I will say is cybersecurity stocks have held up their valuations better than other ones. And you can say, oh, this was $300, 119. But I mean, the valuations of these things are still very extreme. Um, you're seeing CrowdStrike trade down on this. CrowdStrike reports next week. You're seeing Palo Alto trade slightly down on this, which Kramer always says is best of breed. I wonder if uh, if S. Jim is holding a, a PANW short. Um, it's just uh, a, it's a sector that they do like to buy the dip on. So I'd be cautious shorting it in the hole and just saying, oh, it's extreme valuations going back down to the lows. Cybersecurity is a sector that it just seems to get bought on dips. So I'd almost be inclined to buy the dip here on Zscaler. Not shorten it down uh, 15 No, and, and and looking, you know, again, it's hard to catch the falling knife. How low do we get last night, Joel? It's always we good did, to look at the pre-market lows. Yeah, 116.40. This is okay. one of these charts where you, you, you really don't have a step-down seller, but you have a patient buyer in it. Yeah. To me, uh, to me underneath that, demand here. Yeah. You know, just like I'm bringing it in. I took this mm. home short. I got the 125 puts. I'm not sure what it's going to do in the regular session. You know, hit me on bids. You know, first we started at 116.40 and then we couldn't get much stock. Now we're kind of like at 118 or we're going to have to go to 119. That's just the way the chart's looking to me right now. I think I kind of like this on the dip. And again, sometimes it's not prudent to buy right off the bat. Sometimes it takes a couple of days and starts to turn. Sometimes they turn right around, though. And you did have an up day here in the market yesterday, and you are continuing higher here. So there could be a few in institutional money managers looking and saying, what can I buy? I I, I, I kind of like this on this dip here today. So it's it's hard because, you know, it's a scary stock with a scary valuation, and you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we could do a 50% retracement. We're through that, too, you know, 100 to 143 that brings you like the 120 area, 121, 122. We're a little bit through that. I think that 114.37 low from the 25th of January, I'd lean on that. But I'm kind of like this one. I don't have no position, but I kind of like it. Let's All go right, with Roggy. You know what time it is? It's Roggy time. Smash the like. Let's get it started. Augie Horner, Managing Director of Futures at Simpler Trading. Welcome back. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Great to be back. Good morning. Pretty pretty enthusiastic uh, introduction for you. We always enjoy having you on. Uh, just, you know, broad market talk here yesterday. Uh, new low for the move. Nice rebound. You know, we're looking okay today. Uh, it, you know, I know you, you – 
take a, a little bit of a bullish slant on this market. You know, what, what's your key for today? I'm just talking about not individual stocks, but like the S&Ps, the broad market, no real catalyst out there. What are you keen on? Three, three things. Three things I want to constantly take the pulse of. So we can see the S&P put in a little minor low pattern. We're taking out the high on the S&P futures. So, yeah, you're right. You know, nice little nice little crawl to the upside. It's, it's a bullish pattern. I think the main thing that I've been focusing on when I look at my notes at the end of the day, time frame. What is my time frame? What is my time horizon? And I don't know that I want a really long time horizon at the moment. But I don't know that right now day trading is what I want to do either. So I'm finding myself somewhere in the middle looking at one hour, maybe daily time frames. And I'm looking for maybe a few days of follow through. So just to kind of set the stage, the main two things that have happened this week, the Fed target rate probabilities. We are going back and forth between are they going to hike to five and a quarter to five and a half or are they going to hike to five and a half to five and three quarters? Now, obviously, that second choice is bearish for the market. And this isn't about what they should do. It's what is priced in. So every time we go back and forth between those two, and by the way, you can see this, everyone can see this really easy, Google CME FedWatch tool, and it's this nice little graph. And, and when we start inching back towards five and a quarter to five and a half, or even less, equities go up, bond yields go down, dollar goes down, and all those nice juicy things that we like start falling back into place for the upside. You're a big fan of watching the bonds to get your equity uh, ind indicator then, right, Raggy? I am. Bonds, I absolutely am. Um, bonds and uh, Fed fund futures will usually give us a pretty good idea of what yields are doing to equities. We notice bonds are bouncing today, right? We had, what, three or four down days, yeah. down sessions in the yes. long bond. We're up today and shocking, equities are up. So you're absolutely right. It's funny because if you go back historically, a lot of times bonds are inversely correlated with equities, but that's not the case here right now. And that's maybe because we're so dependent on rates here as you start to see the TLT. And I always look to the TLT just because it's easy and it's trade widely traded. Um, there's been this like positive correlation here in the last six months to a year. Do you see us eventually like breaking that or is it like we're so you know we're so relying on the fed here that we're just going to continue to track the bonds if we look at everything pre-2008 and after 2008 okay. we are monetary modern monetary policy junkies and so you're absolutely okay. right you know we've been at this for so long we yeah. start remembering things that yeah a long time ago right pre-mmt and now yeah equities love cheap money so i'm just going to follow what are those signs of cheap money? I want to see weak dollar, which is very much in line with a lower with a lower yield. You know, whether that be the central bank rate, whether that be the long bond, whether that be notes. Um, I think the market need, needs, not just loves, needs cheap money. And it's such a great point because if I look at the day the TLT topped out was February the second, and then we went down for like three days straight, and the equities completely ignored it for about a week, but eventually. It started to leak as the TLT continued to break down. The equities eventually started to follow. So it gave you like a literally a week lead time here, saying, "Hey, you know, we're sitting up here near the highs, but there's something else happening here under the hood, and that's that. You know, the TLT is going down, and you know, this is not good news for equities here. So, I mean, and again, I don't think it's a coincidence either that you know we show a little bit of strength here, and the TLT is starting to show some strength as well." So I love this indicator, Rog. You know, that's why we bring people like you on who are looking, who've been trading for a long time and look for us to give us an edge. I mean, that's what trading is all about, is trying to find an edge. I've used that for a long time too. What other edges do you look at? So besides just bonds, you know, and looking at the yields and looking at the Fed tools, what other edges do you look at to try to give you a market feel? You know, the other the other really, and you're too kind, I think that we kind of stumble into this because so much of this is on the job training, right? You and I stare at this stuff long enough, we yeah. start to see the patterns, right? Yeah. So pattern I think, recognition. Exactly. And I think then, you know, as you and I can then share with other people, this is what we notice. So you don't have to spend the 30 years. You know, that's that's the fun part of this, right? But the other thing that I love is the dollar. And we got to talk about the dollar anytime we know the central banks are in play and Dollar is such a, a great way to understand it, such a great barometer. But the dollar index futures or UUP or DXY, they they are the basket. 
right? So we have Euro, we have Yen, we have Pound, and then some fairy dusting of a total of six currencies. The best way that I know to what to understand what the dollar is doing, the best way I know is to look at the six E futures. Now, whether or not someone wants to be a futures trader, six um, E is such a great way to say, this is 58% of the dollar index basket, which is obviously a high concentration weighted basket. Euro goes up, dollar goes down, one zigs, one zags. And every morning I want to see if we're going to see good risk appetite, like you said, that bond, and I want to see Euro up. And, and for those of you that are just getting used to looking at bonds, it's an inverse to yields, right? So TLT, like Dennis was talking about, ZB, then I'll look at the futures. When they're, when they're heading down, yields are heading up. Yes. And when they're heading up, yields are heading down. So I want to see also Euro heading up, and that means dollars heading down. We start seeing those pieces in place. That's when longer term follow through becomes, you know, for me, more realistic. Dennis, I think you'll get a kick out of this. And Raggy, I'm not sure if it goes, go, you go back this far. Uh, but when I used to be a clerk in the S&P 500 pit, the bonds opened up before the S&Ps did. And, uh, you know, all the all the people on the desk would be, what's the call? You know, where are we going to open? This is pre-Globex. And I'd look up at the bonds. And if the bonds were up four ticks, I'd be like, we're up a point. If the bonds were up eight ticks, I'd go, we're up two points. Huh. You know, if the bonds are down four ticks, ah, we're probably down. If the bonds were flat, we're like, oh, we're flat open. And that was like, you know, that was before you had all the free flow of uh, uh, for information. And, of course, Globex trading starting and uh, actually started on my oldest daughter's exact birthday, June 25, uh, 1992. So a little bit different. S&P sneaking up to the highs of the session here. Uh Raggy, what about the rotation that's going on? I mean, what what are you seeing from the rotation? We've had, you know, the healthcare stocks, some of these value stocks, primarily healthcare. Are you you combing the ditches here in any of these stocks, Johnson and Johnson, or any of these ones that have really had a haircut in 2023? Health, I so when I think about S and P and if the S and P is going to have some legs, you know, obviously XLK tech's got to move higher. Financials have got to move higher in healthcare. Healthcare has been kicking my butt on and off. I ha I can't say I look back at the last year or or six months and say I've got a really great pulse on healthcare. It's going to happen. I don't have a great pulse there, but financials have been looking really good. So if I know financials are looking good, that's number two weighted in the S and P. That's number one weighted in the Dow. That gives me a better idea of where to look. So um, healthcare, I think I think Pfizer has been on my radar okay. uh, for a bit. Johnson and Johnson's been a little bit of a dumpster fire. I think they've oh, got their own issues going on. I, I I was looking at Johnson and Johnson just yesterday, and I'm like, wow, this thing. And I do believe that there is this trade, and I talked about it with a guest yesterday, um, with Mark Chaikin. I or, or I don't know if it's Mark or somebody else. Maybe it was Mark, but I do believe that the reason you're seeing a lot of these consumer staples starting to dump is that people are moving into cash. So like. Uh, like I've I've said for a while, I mean, it's one thing, you know, Apple, but you've got growth potential. When you're entering a Johnson & Johnson, you're entering a Procter & Gamble, you're entering a Coke, you're looking for earnings stability and you're looking for yield. But as the yield continues to climb, you know, the cash yield, the treasury yield, that becomes competition for stocks like Johnson & Johnson. That becomes competition for stocks, um, you know, like the consumer staples. That becomes competition for the utilities. And I do believe that that competition is showing up and we're starting to see those stocks show weakness just directly because yields are going higher. What are your thoughts on that, Raggy? I think when I look at the weighting and I absolutely, every, everything is a competition for our dollars. So yes. sometimes I'll see the optimism, the risk appetite move to tech because that's just where we start seeing people feel confident about, I wanna get back into aggressive positions. When I look at XLV, when I look at healthcare, I think my issue is if, if UNH was making lower lows with Johnson & Johnson, I'd say, all right, um, I've got something to be concerned about. I think Johnson & Johnson's got a narrative of its own right now, maybe around the lawsuits, which seems to be just an ongoing saga. Forever. But UNH is holding its own. Uh, that's where I'm, I, for, for one, just am not right now at one with healthcare. So that's why I've been focusing on financials and looking at XLF. All right. I want to ask a little bit about something that hasn't been talked about lately. Of course, there was a talk last year all about the grains and wheat. It seems like that chart has really come down here. What do you think about uh, wheat overall and maybe some of the grains? 
when I, and I'm just pulling it up right now, taking a look, I'll tell you what, I have not been looking at softs and grains once the whole narrative around Ukraine started becoming something that was far more difficult to mm -hmm. manage risk within. Uh, all I, all I can say is once we started breaking below that 200, for me, one of the easiest places to figure out where I want to stand is, is price on the daily time frame above or below a 200 exponential moving average? That to me is the equator, bullish hemisphere above it, bearish hemisphere below it. We struggled with that October, November. Once price actually dove below that in early November, I've got to be bearish. We'll keep an eye out on that. It's been a tough situation, definitely. And I, I can say it to all the natural gas traders out there. They've been trying to call the bottom on that one. And they don't call Boyle the Widowmaker for no reason, right? I mean, it, it's a tough one. Natty Gas is a really interesting story. I'm so glad you brought it up because when I look at Natty and we take a look at, say, a 10-year seasonal detrended and corrected, right? It's a double bottom towards the end of February. So towards the end of February, if I'm looking for that seasonal to kick in, as it typically does going into summer, and the last week of February is usually when we should start seeing a little bit more traction. And when I look at the daily time frame, you know, the downtrend was broken really this week, finally. And, and so at least now I can go from lower low probability to now we're looking a little bit at bearish chop. But this is this lined up really nice with that double bottom and that lower low hitting in February. And then if the seasonals are spot on, it should be a climb from here on out. At least you have a reference point, right? You know, you, you know where you're wrong. And I, I mean, this little thing is pretty volatile, but uh, it's had a couple up days and a pause. We were talking about this one yesterday. Well, uh, Raggy, uh, any final comments for today? I, I love that we're just kind of crossing all sorts of markets. We <laughs> and Natty, and I love what Dennis is saying about healthcare <laughs> and, and the competition. That's such an important thing. Where is money going to go looking for a return? And sometimes it, it's just going to be, hiding out and other times it's going to be like Dennis said hiding going in cash I think at some point if yields can continue to drop as TLT as ZB climbs I'm going to continue to remain bullish and then you know keep an eye on that 200 on any symbol if we can get above that you know Tesla's at an interesting point sitting with 200 overhead and we can see how much trouble it's had so that 200 has really been helpful for me these last few months a, a quick one right here uh, what do you feel about golden crosses because we had a recent one right I mean, you're mentioning the 200 here. What do you feel about golden crosses? Do you feel that they hold? How do you use them? I'm less interested in two moving averages doing the tango than I am price of getting above a certain mm -hmm. moving average. So if it's an yeah. incremental price above 20, price above 50, price above 100, price above two, you know, all I know about that 200 is people who would never consider themselves chartists are always keenly aware where price is relating <laughs> to that. So I want to see price in the moving average interact, but then you're right. Is that going to also accompany the 50 crossing up and down the 20? Yeah, of course, at some point, but it lags a little bit. So I usually don't use it. Love it. Love it there. You guys keep up with everything Raggy does. You guys can check her out on Twitter. She has a great following. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead. Let's take a little peek. What are we looking at, Joel? How are we looking in we the We made a new high. We made a new high for the uh, session. Uh, 06 and a quarter. Uh, this was the area of Tuesday's high. Uh, weekly swing number right here, too. So the bulls are doing the work. Little pullback that we had there just came into the top of yesterday's range. So nice target here. If the bulls can keep a bid here. And once I said, I know we have our ISM. I mean, why not? Why not take a look at uh, the six-day, or excuse me, uh, the four-day high, uh, 24.75. That's uh, that's the highest we've been so far this week. So we'll see if we can end on a strong note. I think we got to look at that 401, 402 area too. As you know, boom, it's like, oh, yeah, the bull is back. Well, let's just look what we just did and remember what kind of environment we're in. And then sometimes it's just a good idea to sit on your hands because we just were down at the lows yesterday okay. morning and people were talking about, you know, taking out 390 and going back to the lows. And then boom, we turned it around and we just rallied 70 straight handles. Straight, yep. If we're in a contrarian environment, I don't make a lot of money buying stocks after they've run up 70 straight handles. So just keep that in mind. We may go straight to 410, but I think you'll have a check back or two on the way there. 
So if you are bullish, and it's okay to be bullish, it's okay to be bearish. I think you want to be buying on the dips as opposed to buying on the rallies. And if you are buying this morning, you are absolutely buying on the rally. And I silenced everyone. Mitch, are you on mute? Do we lose Mitch? Mitch the is on mute. The old mute trick. You what never do, you guys do that. See me doing mute tricks. Mitch never does that. That's Joel's trick. You're taking one from Joel. You're watching Joel too. I much. was sharp early. I was sharp early. You yeah. can't be in the zone all the time, right? <laughs> so funny. That's how it is, man. That's how it is. All right, let's take a look at maybe one more stock. I know that we we've covered a lot, but uh, we didn't get to Broadcom, so I just wanted to make sure that we at least touched it really quickly. Let's at least take a look. EPS ten dollars and thirty three cents beat the ten dollars. 11 cents sales at 8.91 billion beat the 8.90 billion estimate uh they did declare a four dollars and 60 cent dividend payable x dividend date is march 21st mm. we should have workday uh, sponsor the show right do they do that zoom thing where the guy's trying to talk and uh i uh, remember that commercial I guess not. Uh, trading at the highs of the pre-market session. So looking good. 6.11. We're bid here. What has been the recent high of the move? 6.17.01. Uh, uh, no, yep, 6.17.01. I'll just give you some potential targets on the on the upside here, and then you guys could talk about potential buy areas. Uh, the first target above where we're at now, 6.14.93, and then 6.17.01. That's uh, about I the think what I want to talk about here is oil. We just collapsed. What I don't happened? know what just happened. I don't know what just happened. All the oil stocks were trading flat, and we just got hammered here. So bring up, you know, you know, if you want, you can bring up the USO. It's probably the best thing to look at here. We were trading flat all morning and just in the last few minutes. I'm looking. Just, I'm looking for it. Yeah, we just got hit really hard here. So I think there's a headline or something. You can see it there on the candle there just after, just in the last few minutes here. Um, USO falling substantially um, and crude falling substantially here too. Not sure what happened, but we've definitely got a headline here. Maybe something out of China or something like this. It's, there's a headline here. They don't right. move like that on nothing. Yep, there's a one-minute chart. So uh, for you crude traders there, and I can also pull it up with the USO. I'll have to get the uh, uh, the pre-market action in here. So we will wait. We will wait to see what happened on that. But uh, big drop there. It big seems time. to be good for the market, though. Uh, it, it, Market's it ignoring it. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes lower crude is good for the market here, and I don't think it's a coincidence. And we've seen this for a while here now. Again, lately, it's just kind of choppy. Everything's been choppy. But there's a loose, correlate, loose negative correlation between oil prices. And obviously, you know, as oil prices go down, that's disinflation happening right here, or deflation, actually, when they go down, which is going to help us with the whole disinflation narrative that everybody has, has you know, been trying to bite on. So I think oil lower oil prices do help, um, that they do help uh, the equity markets. So I'm not surprised, actually, that S&P is starting to catch a bit here as oil falls. And I think you're seeing some softer uh, uh, inflation data coming out of Europe, too. Uh, I don't know if that relates to the crude market, but that could definitely be giving a uh, a boost to the uh, S&P futures, trading at the highs of the session. So what else do you have for us, Mitch? Two minutes remaining. Do we want to take a stock from the listening audience or uh, do we got another one? Did, how many did we miss today? We, didn't we get can do Marvell. Maybe okay, let's, let's do Marvell. All right, let's get in that one. Marvell Technology Q4 EPS 46 cents misses the 47 cent estimate. Sales of 1.42 billion beat the 1.40 billion estimate. They do see Q1 24 revenue to 1.3 billion plus or minus 5% versus a 1.38 billion estimate. So they gave you that kind of like bottom guidance and above the guidance there. So I think uh, that wasn't definitely like there. Marvell coming down strong today. 50% retracement is right here, right now, the overall move. <laughs> so going from 33, Mitch, sure, Joel, you can draw it on the chart if you want, but 33 up to 49, I'm taking 16 points. I'm taking off eight. I'm putting that at 41. Yep. Um, I think you find support 40 to 41 here. It's been trading there most of the after hour session, so I don't think you have to hurry into this one, but I do think you're going to find some support in the low 40s. Yeah, uh, uh until uh, the uh, the pre-market action and after hours action, uh, you had 42 as support, a couple lows in that area. But uh, 4077 uh, was another low. But uh, that was the first thing I would, when I when I pulled this chart up. I'm like, well, this probably had a strong January, right? 
pulled back a little bit in February. So if you thought this was a major long-term bottom here, uh, you're getting a chance on a little bit of a pullback. I agree with you there on Marvell Tech. Dennis, you sold that thing, right? You were you've been in and out of that a few yeah. times. Yeah, I've I've traded this one really well. You know, there's certain stocks that and swing trade it really well. There's certain stocks you do well on, and there's other stocks that you don't do as well on. This is one that I've just you know um, had some luck in in the past. So I've traded this one well. Um, I, I wrote it. I've wrote this kind of thing a, a couple of times with some pretty good money from an investment standpoint. I had it for a long time. And then from a trading standpoint, I've done pretty well on it too. It's one of those that I trade pretty well. So I've got a pretty good feel for this one. I think 40 to 41. Okay. All right. Fun show today. S and P still ripping North to the upside. We'll just, uh, we'll see if we got the gas uh, to get up to Monday's high 24, 75. Oil still going down hard right now. What is that headline? I looked around. I only saw a headline oh, a from headline Wall Street here. Journal that was natural gas. It wasn't, nat- no, no, it wasn't necessarily oil. We got to go further than the Wall Street Trust Journal. Trust me. I, I've looked. I've looked. No, I can't find I it right now. Yet, you guys let you me know right if now. you find something. There is something. I, I, the this doesn't just too. fall off the bed like this. So let's yeah. just go. Let, before we go to the show, I'll look quickly at my sources. Go ahead. Too. Go ahead. Look it up, man. By all means. UAE has privately pushed OPEC to let it produce more oil. That is from the Wall Street Journal, just breaking a few minutes ago. Here. So looks like OPEC is going to produce more oil. That's what they're pushing for. So UAE nice. privately pushing OPEC to let it produce more oil. That is your headline. That is why we just saw oil fall out of bed. That actually came from the Wall mm. Street Journal. So now we got to be careful because a lot of stocks are near those lows, at least daily bunch up pattern, right? Like this XOM, Oxy, they're all near that kind of bunch up pattern there. So they could take out lows today. Um, I'm going to keep watch. Chevron wow. already kind of dropping fast there. Look at Chevron. Yeah. That's already cracking there. You can see it here on the 15. Look at that little crack there. Yeah. That's a nice crack there on Chevron. So got to watch out there today. We could see this start to break down. XOM also right now starting to head down too. So keep your eyes on some of these oil names. They could start heading lower. And who knows? Maybe this starts to really crack that XLE trade, right? We'll see what happens on XLE. It was starting to make a little bit of a bounce off support. Now trying to come back up through 86, now rejecting. It could come towards, I see some lows around 83.45, 83.62, and then 83.04, kind of the 83 spot. We'll see what happens there. XLE and the oil stocks coming down. All right, that's going to do it for that talk. Um, last thing I wanted to bring in here, I think we got a minute or two that I can at least talk about. I've got to hop because go ahead, Dennis. You do what you got to do, my right friend. Now. Go do what you got to do. Yeah, Dennis, got to go do trading, right? He has got to go focus team. But I did want to bring in a little bit of talk about the three stages of the Golden Cross and why I was in a little bit of the short term bullish outlook today of course the golden cross is when the short-term moving average moves across above a long-term moving average a golden cost is of course a technical chart pattern but a lot of the times what i've seen is that and you can see it on this graph if you make it you know you make this pretty big you can see when the stage two when we get that cross a lot of the times we'll have a nice price action that was before the cross that got us to that cross. What do I mean by that? A nice grind up. We saw this with, of course, that January effect, that big move up. That's what got us to go to stage two, which was the cross. Now, a lot of the times what you see, and you even see it on this chart, you see a deep pullback after that cross. That's what I feel right now we're in in the market, in that deep pullback phase. And now we could run into the stage three uptrend. I think that this could actually happen until we run into, of course, CPI or maybe an interest rate focus. Of course, the narrative shifts here because very quickly, two or three weeks ago, we were talking about no landing, soft landing and talk like that. Right. No recession talk. And then now really quickly, we're right back to it. Right. And so keeping up with the narrative right now is very difficult. You can always have tape bombs that come in. But I think we got to pay attention that we still are in kind of a bullish trend in the short term. Long term, we still haven't gotten into a bull market. I talked about this on Twitter. Bull markets are when we're back above 20% from the lows, which puts us at around 420. Until we get to that spot, it is not a new bull market. This is a dead cat rally. But if you look, golden crosses have in the past shown us when we start to switch 
from a bear to the bull market doesn't necessarily mean that when you see the golden cross, you're in a bull market. It just sometimes has a tendency of showing us that shift in sentiment. We'll see what happens. And like always, I think you always take it with a grain of salt. And if you look, the golden cross, for example, according to some studies, the S&P 500 has tended to perform better after the golden cross at an average gain of around 10% in a year following that golden cross. So we could have a dip and then following that, get that break. We'll see what happens. I'm in short-term bullish camp. Come find out on live trading what we get into today. I got a couple of swings I'm excited to take a look at. Hmm, Picard looking great. I've been, I got out of NTR, but man, that one's really been pushing. We'll see what happens on these charts. MOS really strong. Come check out what we've been talking about. And if you haven't checked out my start swing trading show, well, you're missing out on a lot of trade ideas. Like always, you guys make your own investment decisions. But I talk about a lot of my ideas on there and bring on guests. We had Emery Ban. We had Christian Fromhertz. Today we have, of course, Michael Noss, a CMT. So if you guys want to check that out, I'll see you guys on Start Swing Trading. That starts at 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. weekdays. And of course, if you guys want to keep up with Joel, you guys can check out the closing print. I'll see you guys on live trading. That's coming up next. And don't miss our book club our book club is going to start getting into Japanese candlestick charting patterns. So if you want to talk a little bit about candlestick charting patterns, want to learn a little bit more, join the book club today. You don't want to miss out on it. We get members every single day. So we're going to keep pushing forward now to bring you over to some live trading action. We'll see you in just a little bit, team. Smash the like on your way out. Hope you guys enjoyed today's action. Like always, all content is for informational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice, and opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Hosts and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed. We'll see you next time, team. Smash the like, and let's keep going.